Can the Clemson Tigers continue their dominant stretch with Trevor Lawrence? How will Alabama bounce back after a demoralizing defeat? Ohio State, Oklahoma, two programs under renovation. How will they fare this season? All that and more in this episode of Hot Takes. Eric, we are back. We are to the point where we are only two weeks away, two weeks and two days from the start of the college football season. And it's going to be the start of Clemson's championship defense. Clemson is missing a lot on the defense right now. They still got the fantastic offense spearheaded by Trevor Lawrence, got Travis Etienne in the backfield, and you've also got Dabo Sweeney as the head coach and Brett Venables as D coordinator. How do you think Clemson's going to do this season? I, I don't think they're going to skip a beat. If you look at their defense, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, they don't have that, that Power Rangers line. You're missing Wilkins, Lawrence, Brian, uh, Furrow. You're missing everybody. But That whole defense. Exactly. Line. But if you look at who's coming in to replace them, they're not brand new guys. No, they've, guys they've been in this system for at least a year. They've had playing time. I mean, look at Xavier Thomas. Dude's been here for a year, and he's been a beast. Absolutely. These are guys that have learned the program, had their time to learn, and are now stepping into that role. I don't think there's going to be, of course, early season, there's going to be, it's going to take a couple games for them to build that 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 chemistry before they really can get into that flow, much like the offense uh, did last season. Yes. However, I don't think anybody's going to be able to outscore the Tigers this season with such a high-powered offense they have, returning almost everyone. Um, and just that receiver core is outstanding. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, it, it, the list of lads are being added on this Joseph Ngata, and don't forget Cornell Powell. Yes. I think the only question mark that the Tigers have this season is that offensive line, bringing in some guys who don't have as much experience because, you know, Clemson did have a great offensive line the past two seasons and just having all that experience, 14 and 15 game seasons on the front lines, defending Kelly Bryant, Deshaun Watson, and Trevor Lawrence. Having that experience gone now, I feel like that's where you can see a little bit of the hiccup, some of the hitches there. <laughs> and, you know, while that is a, a, a cause for concern, you could say, Trevor Lawrence has proven that he is more than capable on his feet. Oh, he is a big guy. He doesn't necessarily have the speed that a Kelly Bryant or a Deshaun Watson has. 6'5", 220. Yeah, but he, he is up at 220 now. But he, he is uh, he is quite nimble, and this is really going to give him a lot of chances to showcase that side of his game and really uh, help kind of uh, show off his decision-making. Yes, absolutely. And I think... Just in general, if we can get that, if Clemson can get that offensive line bolstered, confident, and giving him four or five seconds, his pocket presence is, in my opinion, the best in college football. Yeah. Being able to step up into the pocket, waiting that extra second, and making the great pass to an open receiver, that is, I think he's bar none the best at that. And that brings me to a question that I have for you. Does Clemson not only have the best quarterback, not only in the ACC, possibly the country, but also possibly the best two quarterbacks in the Atlantic Coast Conference with Trevor Lawrence and Chase Bryce. Uh, I'd have to say I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that Chase Bryce is the second best in the ACC, but I'd say he's top five because you've still got uh, Bryce Perkins and uh, Blackman at FSU as yes. well as 
maybe Juwan passed at Louisville. Hasn't really Puma pass. Hasn't really had uh, that much of an offensive line to be able to showcase his passing abilities. And I think the fact that I mean Chase Bryce is a backup and he doesn't get as much game experience kind of makes that a tough question to answer. But, but I do you, think they definitely have two of the best core, two of the the best, and then one of the best in the ACC. Do you well, just looking at the game tape last year against Syracuse mm-hmm. coming in that role? Mm-hmm. Kelly Bryant transfers out. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence goes down with concussion-like symptoms, yeah. and Chase Bryce fills in the role, making some game-defining. Yeah, it, it definitely that's a. Took a lot of poise, yeah, especially that fourth and sixth pass to hang in there, yes, and, and, and then they run right after that to get another first down. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think that's just, and I think that just goes to show that that Clemson is deep. Yes, absolutely. That's you could put in Chase have. Bryce, and you know Clemson could still win ten or eleven ball games this year. Yes, um, and I think that just that's a testament to the recruiting of Dabo Sweeney and just the the program that they've built over there at Clemson. Well, with depth comes success. Clemson has not had a loss since January 1st, 2018. A Sugar Bowl loss against Alabama. Who will be the first team, do you believe, in Clemson's regular season to hand the Tigers a loss? I honestly, looking at the regular season, I Starting really, out with Georgia Tech. Yeah. A no longer triple option Georgia Tech. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's going to cause a lot of options for the or a lot of problems for the Yellow Jackets. I think these kind of things take time, and I, I don't think they're going to be um, up to snuff this year with the Tigers. I really think it's going to be Clemson's second and third game uh, versus Texas A and M, and then at Syracuse. Really, the only games there that I really could see as a even possible loss for the Tigers in the regular season. Having A and M in Death Valley is a really huge. Um, it's a grand advantage. It's a humongous advantage. Much like having that in College Station was an advantage for yes, A&M last year. Absolutely. But if you also look at where Clemson was when they played A&M last year and where they'll be when they play A&M this year, the quarterback situation is much different. Yes. Uh, we have They've got a passer now uh, in, in Trevor Lawrence, and that arm, the passing just wasn't there with Kelly Bryant. And um, so I, I really, if I had to pick one, I'd pick A&M. I think Syracuse, while it is in the Carrier Dome, and and that is a huge advantage for Syracuse. I mean, especially if you look at what happened there two years ago. Yes, absolutely. Um, that, that was a fantastic. However, they lost Eric Dungy, and they Eric did. Dungy plays out of his mind against Clemson. They had Tommy DeVito though. They had Tommy DeVito straight out of the uh, you know the New York gangster movies there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I really think A and M is going to be a tougher opponent than Q's. And I really have a hard, I, I truthfully have a hard time uh, believing anybody can beat the Tigers this season. At all. So you think there's a strong chance that they go 12-0 during the regular season? I do. You know that Clemson is the home opener for Syracuse. They start out the first two games at Liberty and at Maryland, and then the first home game of the season for them is versus the Tigers. Interesting. That'll be a raucous environment over there at the Carrier Dome. It will be. I agree with you. I think that AMM Syracuse like slate right there, that two-game stretch, will be the toughest stretch for the Tigers. Barring any injuries to any major players, but from there we'll see. I think the Tigers have a great chance, just like you said, to go twelve and zero, if not eleven and one. I think past that, the only team that could potentially uh, give the Tigers trouble is Boston College. Um, Thankfully, that's at home for the Tigers. Correct. They'll have an advantage uh, there. If if BC starts off strong, like I assume they will. Yes. Um, Anthony Brown back and healthy at quarterback. He's a really young, talented quarterback. Yes. I think uh, BC can have a strong start. I don't. I don't think it's 
impossible or improbable to say that both teams could meet in the Valley at 7-0? and Not only that, but they also have A.J. Dillon, one of the best backs, if not the best back yeah. in the ACC. So um, I, I think that could be one of those games where if the Tigers don't bring their A game or possibly overlook the Eagles, then, yes. um, then they could possibly be shocked there. Moving on then to the other program that faced off against the Tigers in the Bay Area for the National Championship, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Having a little bit of interesting quotes this offseason, uh, talking to reporters saying that the Tigers, their lone loss, a 28-point loss, may I remind uh, anyone listening, weren't the toughest team that they faced last year. Many saying that Georgia was the toughest team. Do you see that more of a mental game by Nick Saban, or do you just think that the Alabama program does not respect Clemson enough to call them the toughest opponent they faced last year? I don't think Nick Saban has anything to do with it. Everybody knows Nick Saban hates the media, and Nick Saban tells it how it is. Okay. I, I don't think this is anything with Nick Saban. I think that's just a matter of the players. And I also think that could be the, the – if you look at the narrative that Paul Feinbaum likes to push, the whole, well, you know, if Alabama was healthy or if they had played Clemson in, in September or October, October, it would have been a completely different story. Who does Clemson play, Paul? Exactly. Nobody. I, I think that gets in the head of the players, and you start to think, well, yeah, maybe if we were healthy, it would have been different. Georgia was way tougher. We are more healthy. They beat us down. And, you know, you've got John Simpson on the Clemson side kind of fighting back and saying, well, you know, Notre Dame was the toughest team that we played all year. So <laughs> I think it's just a little bit of friendly banter. I don't necessarily see any truth behind that. I think Clemson and Alabama are the toughest teams that each team played, respectively. Um, I would agree to that as well. Yeah, And I, I just think that's that's part of the, the rivalry that's, that's brewing. Yeah, four years uh, in a row now playing each other. Two of them close contests, two of them not so much. One an absolute blowout. Do you, speaking of just uh, them being the two best teams right now, do you believe that Tua Tagovailoa? Do you think he's going to have a little bit of a hang up, maybe a possible little bit of a hangover going on into this next season, facing his first real big loss, two interceptions, a fumble, not being able to lead his team past sixteen points? No, I don't. Uh, and Tua himself has spoke about that. He said that if if he could have gone and done that, if, if he had a chance to go back, he wouldn't have changed the way that game happened. It was he quoted it as a learning experience, which I think is the way to handle a loss like that. Because I, I do I think that Clemson was necessarily almost thirty points better than Alabama. No, I think that was just no. Clemson's night. I do, and I think that was a lot of preparing and a lot of just hard work put in by both the team and the coaching staff. Yes, um, and I, I don't think that's going to have any effect on Tua. He still arguably either the best or the second most talented quarterback. He's definitely um, a Heisman contender. Absolutely. I think him and Lawrence are, are far and away better than the rest. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's a learning experience. I don't think, I don't think that'll have any um, effect into this coming season at all. No. Um, I will say, though, just to go back to Clemson for a second, speaking about Heisman um, opportunities this season, Clemson has a rare opportunity for both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne to have Heisman campaign seasons this year. Do you think that the Tigers should focus on one player more than the other, or do you think they should just let things naturally progress as they go? I think the way, and you know, the players and the coaches, including Dabo, preach this, they don't play for the individual awards. They play for the team awards. They play for the national championship. They play for the ACC, and it's one at a time. If it just so happens that Travis or Trevor win the, win the Heisman along the way, so be it. 
But uh, I don't think I, I personally don't think ETN has a has a great chance of winning the Heisman. Just with the way Clemson works their run game, they like to switch backs out a lot, and they yes. don't really feed the ball to one. They guy. don't really favor a back. Exactly, they, just, they spread out the work. Exactly, and I mean that was the case with with ETN last year. I mean, you look at ETN; he's getting you know twenty twenty five carries a game, but then you look at Saquon Barkley; he's getting thirty five forty. Yes, and I think that's also what keeps ETN so good is that he's not being worked to the bone every game, and he's he's relatively fresh each time he comes out and touches the ball. So for that reason, I don't think ETN stands too much of a chance at the Heisman, but that doesn't at all take away from how much of an outstanding back he is. Well, back to the Tide. We know that they're absolutely the cream of the crop. They are the best of the best in the SEC, bar none. But who can overtake their spot on the throne for the SEC? Georgia. Georgia. Do you think Georgia's the closest? I think Georgia's the closest by a long shot. So you think it's Alabama, Georgia right here, everybody else down here. Yeah, by by a mile. Um, I mean, honestly, look at it. Who who would you put behind Georgia? Florida? Possibly a Florida South team. South Carolina? South Carolina could have a revolutionized offense. And yeah, not with Jake Bentley at the helm. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got Ryan Holinsky yeah. right there. Use him. Yeah. Um, uh, we got a lot of Gamecock fans that complain about that a lot. Talking about Bobby Bentley's boy needs to be benched. Yeah, and <laughs> decides to come back for one more year just to go like what eight and four. Possibly. We'll, uh, we'll discuss that. Later. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's clear that Alabama and Georgia are the front runners in the SEC, and then you've got a group of of cusp teams that Florida, South Carolina. Um, that's really about it, and then everybody else. Maybe Tennessee could have a revolution. After they could last year, I don't know. They could trash can. <laughs> trash can't. I don't know. Without Butch Jones, I think there's a chance they give it two or three years, and, and the Vols could be, you know, decent again. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I think honestly, Kirby Smart. This isn't the make it or break it year. No. But I feel like this is maybe his best opportunity to like you know take advantage of the fact that Clemson exposed Alabama so much yeah. that he can overcome that Saban. Mental block. And, you know, I think if there's a year for us to see Alabama not come out on top of the SEC. Just take a little bit of a dip. I think this is the year. I forgot to mention Auburn's kind of in that middle of the pack as well. Well, they got rid of Jarrett Stewart and they shipped him off to the New England Patriots. Too much much my disgust. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, I do think this could be Georgia's year to finally overcome Alabama and come out of the SEC on top. But I mean, no I, Coach O, no LSU coming out the West. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. Now he is, and their defense a, is pretty strong. There's something about those dirt stringers at Ohio State; they always do something good. But I just don't know if, as a unit, they're ready to take that next step. I think they're headed in the right direction. Yes. Now that they have a good quarterback, and maybe you know you recruit another and recruit one more, and then you finally got yourself a solid offense. Who's, who's the last good quarterback at LSU? Zach Mettenberger? Yeah. Uh, or so it's been like six, seven years. You could maybe argue Hack- Hackenberg. Maybe. Uh, well, but I'll I, stick with Mettenberger. Yeah. There. <laughs> well, that's a, that, we'll, we'll see. I feel like it could be a fun year in the SEC. 
I do feel bad for Duke having to face Alabama in <laughs> week one. That's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> David, David Cutcliffe's got his hands full with that. I think he might retire at halftime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on then to uh, another young program here with a young coach, Lincoln Riley. Yeah. His third year now. First two years, two Heisman winners, two playoff appearances. Yeah. Is there any chance that he makes it three for three on these playoff appearances coming out the Big 12? On playoff appearances, yes. On Heisman's, no. No Jalen Hurts for the Heisman. Um, I don't think so. I just think between Tua and Trevor, I think Jalen is probably a close third to them. I don't I don't think that that window is open. But, and again, I, I do have a lot of respect oh, for Jalen Hurts. Lots of respect. Um, especially the way he handled the situation with Tua in Alabama last year, sticking it out before deciding to transfer for his final year. He's a really talented guy. Um, in his past two years, he's really developed his arm skills and his passing to – a much better place than they were his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, always fantastic on his legs, and I think he'll fit right in and, and fill that hole that Kyler Murray's leaving at Oklahoma, and I think they'll be really good this year. Do you think it? Do you think these playoff appearances have more to do with Lincoln Riley and who he is as a coach, or more so that that first year he had, he had a leader in Baker Mayfield. That second year, he had a freakish athlete in the form of Kyler Murray. And now you have Jalen Hurts. Who is a certified leader? Do you think that if there's any success, you credit more to the players than you do Lincoln Riley? Do you think he's just adopted a great situation? I think this is a combination of both. Because you look at Oklahoma, they first started to really make a scene on the national and playoff. Uh, they really first started to pop up on the national and playoff scene with Bob Stoops. Yes. And they did they get embarrassed Bob. by Clemson that first year. but but he, With Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he didn't come into a broken program. No, he came absolutely. into a program that was very much thriving. Yes. And I think you combine his young leadership and the players that he's had, I think it's a really perfect storm to have a great football program. So I, I'd, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I, I can agree to that. I think it leads a little bit more, maybe a 60% great situation, 40% good coach. We'll see. I want to see him struggle a little bit and see how he handles adversity. But speaking of programs that have – you know, great situations being handed off to new people. Ohio State, Urban Meyer, gone. A little bit of controversy there. Not all the details are out to really discuss what's going on. But Ryan Day, new head coach, adopting with what I believe is a fantastic situation, a constant playoff contender, and a new quarterback in Justin Fields, transferring from Georgia. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be like this year for the Buckeyes? I really don't anticipate any hangover uh, on the transition between Meyer and Day. Ryan Day's been in the, in, in the program for a couple of years. He's three and zero as a starting yeah, coach. Yeah, so he even had that those couple games this past season behind the helm. So I, I don't think there's really going to be that kind of hangover. I really think the the potential issue with Ohio State lies with Justin Fields' attitude. Ooh, that, that's an interesting topic to bring up. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of how he handled the uh, whole transfer situation. Well, <laughs> especially, I believe it was the, the South Carolina game when Georgia played him. There is, you know, camera footage, audio recording of Justin Fields talking to one of his players, talking about, yeah, I didn't do jack. You know, I handed the ball off real well. Really <laughs> complaining about how much playing time he was getting yes. and um, the role he would the role he had in that game. And that could be a lot of frustration boiled over, but 
you look at the guys who handle it the right way. Look at Jalen Hurts. Look at Baker Mayfield. Exactly. Baker Mayfield, I, I, there was a little bit of audio that I heard um, just going over this past season, this wonderful season he had with the Cleveland Browns. Um, he was mic'd up, and he handed off the ball for like a 92-yard rushing touchdown. He goes, you know what? That is the best handoff I've had all year. And like another place, yeah. like one day you'll be able to tell your grandkids, you know, I once handed off a 92-yard touchdown. Yeah, and so <laughs> There's ways to handle I think – that's definitely something that has to be fixed within the program before you can be successful because, you know, if if that attitude's there, and even as the starter, if you're handing the ball off a couple times in a row... So what? That's your job. part of the process. Exactly. So um, I think it's really going to depend on how well he adapts to this new system at Ohio State and his work ethic under Ryan Day. Yes, absolutely. And Ohio State and uh, and Justin Fields will have a great opportunity to kind of settle into the role. Week one, they're playing at noon against Florida Atlantic. Week two, noon Cincinnati. Week three, noon on the road to Indiana. That one might be where Justin needs to have already set his yeah. feet in. Indiana loves to play Ohio State close for about a half. Yes. Um, and so I think that'll be a good... A nice little test early season. Not like a full-on, you know, maybe like a quiz. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just a little pop quiz. Like, yeah. all right, cool. Uh-huh. You're up three at halftime. What do you do, Justin Fields? Yeah. Do you lead your team to a blowout victory? Or do you keep it close and choke? Or do, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you got your two options. True, false. And you can't, like, yeah. scribble the letters to make them look the same. <laughs> all right. Moving on then to the last topic we're going to be talking about here before the real season starts. Our predictions, our playoff predictions. I'll ask first, and then I'll follow up with my response. Who do you think is going to be the top four by week 13, end of the conferences, that Sunday in Grapevine, Texas? Who will be the top four for the playoffs? Give me Clemson at one. Clemson at one. All right. Give me Georgia at two. Georgia at two. Oklahoma at three. All right, so we're seeing a little bit of repeats of teams I've been in the last two, three years. All right. And um, so Georgia at three. I'm not hearing Alabama. And you're not going to. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with a very, very bold pick. Ooh, a hot take, if you will. Yeah. Let me hear it. I'm going to put the Michigan Wolverines at four. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Michigan Wolverines. That's interesting because I have them in my top four as well. I think that this is the make it or break it year for Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely. Taking advantage of the fact that Urban Meyer is gone. You have a new quarterback at the helm for Ohio State. You have to win the big game this year. You have to lose your Michigan status, gain back your M, and become Michigan. This is the year for him. I really, I do think that if... Michigan doesn't have a Big Ten championship appearance or victory, then I think that there's going to be some... Hot seat? Definitely. Hot seat, hard boss. I agree with you, Clemson, at one. Strong possibility that they go 12-0, if not 11-1. And even if they go 11-1, I can still see them being at that top spot. Give me Alabama at two, though. I don't think they're going to have that hangover. I don't think Georgia's got it this year. They have a chance, but right now predicting before anyone, before shoulder pads have hit each other, before helmets have made contact, before balls have been caught, give me Alabama at number two. Wolverines at three. Wolverines at three. And give me number four, Oklahoma. Okay. Number four, Oklahoma. But don't be surprised if the old adage is back 
And not just back, but Texas is back. I didn't. Yeah, there's a possibility. There's a possibility there. Okay, so. (laughs) So four. Yeah. Four, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Oklahoma slash slash Texas. Whoever wins Red River and whoever wins the Big 12. Because Texas won Red River last year. They did not win the Big 12 championship. If you're going to cheat, then I'm, I'm going to go... Cheat with, a little bit. It's, it's preseason. Then we're we're going to inform. Okay, then at that three spot, I'm going to go with Oklahoma slash Texas as well. Yeah? I feel like just right now, just collecting all the information that we've had, just those are the safe bets. Those are the uh, those are the guaranteed picks. Like the playing with house money, kind of. Okay. <laughs> well, this is the preseason. We won't have to say that for much longer. We've Ooh. already had fall practices start. We've had... Helmets and shoulder pads on in practice, two weeks, two days away, and that's it. We don't have that much longer to wait. It feels like this offseason has gone by a lot quicker. This in my yeah. this yeah. offseason has gone off a lot quicker, and I'm glad for it. Next time we talk about real football, week one predictions, college football's back. Let us all rejoice. Until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. Adios.